Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue Blue Podcast. podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-hosts, Nick and Dan. <coughs> Gentlemen, welcome. We are here for the Southampton match review. Going to try to not trip over the preview review again this one. Uh, but Nick brought in longtime friend to the pod, OG, journalist at goal. I'll let you do the introduction. little alley-oop for our friend Naz. Uh, it's been a minute, uh, Naz. We... We were just talking before the show that it's been since, uh, what, late December, I think? Maybe? No, no, it's been uh, January, mid-January. Uh, okay. Chelsea. I think it was Lampard's last win in the Premier League, so, hey, quite feels like a while ago. Yeah, it, yeah I'm looking at my watch. <laughs> it's been a minute. So, um, yeah, welcome back, man. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. It's uh, yeah, good to be back. I'm in a new pad, so that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, not a lot else has happened. London's still locked down, but you know, football keeps going on. Been busy, been busy, but it's be back on. Right, and we were talking pre-pod because we haven't even touched on your reaction of Lamps getting the sack. What a wild time it was for you at that time. We don't need to get into it super detail, but were you surprised? Tuchel's been here for a few matches. Do you think it was the right move? Kind of what was your general gist or perspective on this? Yeah, I think the last time I was on the pod, it was like after Fulham, but, um, you know, Chelsea beat Fulham in the Premier League and it was a, you know, it was a win, but I think we were all pretty down on what Frank was doing and the direction it was going in and, and sort of just the direction of the results. And I was kind of, you know, feeling that it was the beginning of the end, certainly at that point. Um, and, and, and you know, I, I thought, you know, Chelsea are ruthless. You can't really ever guess what Roman Abramovich is going to do. And and I'd written a piece, I think, before that pod as well, that Tuckle was the, the man who wanted the job and he was in the mix. Um, but I didn't think that it was going to quite move so ruthlessly, so quickly. But Chelsea are just really clinical. When they want to get business done in or out, they, they do it. And, you know, I thought that Frank would have got a bit longer. Maybe the legend status would have helped him. Maybe the fans just, you know, I think a lot of the, you know, really hardcore fans supported Frank. But none of that mattered. None of that mattered because, 
you know, Roman just made that decision with Marina and, and Petr Cech and, and got rid of him and got their man in. And, and I thought, you know, I thought that maybe Frank in the end would prove out of his depth. And I thought that they'd, they'd go for an experienced manager again and a German made sense and, and Tuckle makes sense as well. But I just didn't think it would happen like, like that, you know, just like almost overnight, you know, you, you're there getting ready for Frank Lampard to take them to Wolves and uh, all of a sudden Tuckle's in. And I think, you know, the early matches, you've seen a definite improvement and um, maybe the decision was the right one. I think that, you know, most clubs might have waited till the end of the season to do a decision like that, but Chelsea um, weren't messing about. And I think that, you know, the direction of travel was that Chelsea weren't going to be in top four. And um, yeah, I think that Tuchel has sort of given Chelsea a chance, you know, we're going to talk about a setback today, but I don't think we should get, you know, uh, too much on Tuchel's back, although some people have knives out for him already. And, I think the you know it, it, it you know the fact that a legend's gone and Tuckles come in it can be a hard act to follow and certain people like Chelsea always is there'll be there'll be that division there again you know there'll be the the Lampard supporters and the Tuckles supporters just like there was the Sari supporters and the Lampard supporters and I think we're going to have that sort of thing happen again but for me makes sense Tuckles really impressed me I've enjoyed covering him I think he's a very interesting character open character and you know Lampard was getting a bit depressing. Some of the press conferences, the the way the mood in the camp was, you know, I did a lot of work, like seeing what was going on behind the scenes. And I wasn't the one to publish the Rudiger Asper the Quetter argument. Let's not talk about that. But um, I think that, uh, I think that, um, yeah, I think otherwise it was a pretty, pretty dour camp. I think that Frank was supported by most of the, the players playing week in, week out. But I think a lot of the energy went out of the team. They couldn't play the way he wanted to play anymore. Um, they weren't training with intensity. And I think they ended up showing on the pitch just because the atmosphere was so poor. And, and you know, Tuckles really lifted it right away. And and some strange players have emerged as, like, big players and big contenders for Tuckle. Um, So much to get into in the pod, isn't there? <laughs> so, but, yeah. So, hold up. Two, <laughs> I mean, two points. You mean best friends, Cesar Spilicueta <laughs> and Antonio Rudiger, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's let's clarify that. I mean, total best friends. <laughs> Love each Never other. an issue. Brothers. Never an issue. Brothers, brothers in arms. Uh and then uh I, I don't know if, if you see this now as because you, you get different mentions than we do, probably, but I don't think the division among the fan base has been as extreme as I anticipated with Tuchel. Do, do you get that sense or is it pretty divided? Uh, yeah, I think I think like after the result yesterday, there was a bit of um, sort of like people ready to jump on, you know, the lack of attacking football and that kind of stuff. Mm. But yeah, I think the majority of the fan base supports Tuckel. But even the fact that after seven games where he's done very well, there's a, there's a, s- a very small minority coming out already, just sort of like lays the, the lays the groundwork for what it's going to be like. But you can't really listen to that noise. Football professionals won't listen to it. And and Lampard, who doesn't read journalist work despite calling him out in press conferences, I think that, um, I don't think Tuckle's going to take that. I don't think that Tuckle's going to take that approach. I think he will block out the noise. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really look into that kind of thing. And I think that might be helpful. I think that, you know, Chelsea is always going to be a noisy club and any big club is these days. So I think that it's interesting. I think Tuckle has really lifted the place and his, his attitude, he feels like, it feels like a big manager, you know, at the club right away. Like he feels like he belongs, but some interesting decisions early on, isn't there as well? Um, mm-hmm. Potentially divisive. We'll see how they go. <laughs> Potentially divisive. No, no, I think. Can't, can't, can't wait for that. Yeah, no. Oh. Um, all right, Naz, the dissertation on the transition. Appreciate that. Well done. Uh, 
we we still have the rest of the pod to come. Don't worry, there's more. Uh, we're gonna be obviously doing three word match reviews, but before we get to that, just an overview is we'll be touching on another fine day at the office for Mister Mason Mount, uh, but a toothless attack overall that left us wanting a lot more. Uh, Tuchel's decision to give Callum Hudson Odoi the hook as a sub. He he subbed the sub Dan is is you've eloquently put here. And how might we find a better balance for the attack and defense? Can Engel Lacante's return help with that? So, Dan, over to you. Uh, let us know some of your favorite three-word match reviews. Yeah, I mean, we've we got a, a lot, a lot, and uh, it makes it tough. So if you don't hear yours on the podcast, I'm sorry. It's uh, We get a lot of them, and uh, the, everybody's great work is appreciated. Jay with Tommy Too Cruel. Was his question mark? Okay. okay. Uh, D Rob with Thomas's toothless offense. Preston with Spain without <laughs> S. <laughs> Love that. SD Chells with wasn't Frank's fault. Um, kind of harkening back to Naz's dissertation there. We had Kieran with so many questions. Peter with boring, boring Chelsea, the return of uh, a common phrase. Sammy with the should have slept in. And Word. then uh, our boy uh, Grant James with the Mason Mount FC. And then just <laughs> for fun, Mr. Jonathan Kidd of the Chelsea oh, Fancast. The legend, so good. Jonathan Kidd of the Chelsea Fancast. Um, with many three-word match reviews in one tweet. <laughs> and they are, pile of poo, oops, it's bullocks, none can shoot, oh dear, dear, pass, 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 same as Frank, Tutrell has problems, Werner is hopeless, Adoy ucks up. Mount is great. Conte much better. <laughs> Rest all suck. Where is Pulisic? Taxi for Ziyech? FSS. FFS for the win. I think, Love I mean, that. that could usually be like the standard three-word match review most most weeks. <laughs> um, there's always something to complain about with Chelsea, which is fair. Uh, Nick, throwing it over to you, sir. I Well, first of all, just well done, JK. Thank you for, for all that. Um you can hear his voice reading you re- it with you like really the strain can. and the pain as well. You really can. God, I, I do love me some JK. Um, I have final third peril. Third? Final third peril. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. I, to, to play off that, I said defense wins championships, question mark. <laughs> Not this I, I hear year. that a lot in America. Not this hey, year. Defense wins championships. But if you look at the top of the table... Uh, might not really be where we're at. Dan, over to you. Yeah, it's a, a little bit of a lost uh, throwback for those who remember that show, but Mount Chelsea's constant. Mm. Mm. All right. Naz, the writer. Yeah, that's 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 true, that one. I think I'd too, but I, I'm going to go with a huge Haaland hype just because I was looking at my app mentions and everyone wants a quick fix and uh, it was a perfect game where you're like, Haaland's the man, he's going to he's gonna sort out all the problems, we're definitely going to sign him and then you have the social media campaign to get Haaland in for Chelsea. Um, so I feel like that's kicking off now, I feel like that's starting, so I'm, I'm saying <laughs> huge Haaland hype. Dan, Dan's, Dan's been doing it in our in our group text just every day, <laughs> seeding a little Holland clip in there. Like, hey guys, check out how good he is over here, and we're like, dude, we also think he's good. You know, flying, stop. flying side side volleys casually, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Matt Law definitely poured uh, some hype on that Holland fire as well. Uh, talking about how Chelsea almost signed him eighteen months ago or whatever it was, he was just too inexperienced for the money. 
Well, uh, I think he's proven that value for money. So we'll see. We'll see what all happens. Uh, anyways, uh, huge gratitudes for these people. Uh, Chad with the yearly sub on Patreon. Eric upgrading. Uh, and then new subs, Bump Bailey, Joshua, and Sam. Thank you for all joining. I believe I got all the links out last night. If not, hit me up. I'll get them over to you. Dan, you are loaded with the Apple Podcast yeah, reviews. Of- Apple podcast reviews at five stars, uh, none at six. No one's figured out how to break it yet and get more than the absolute maximum, but you know, holding out for that one still. Uh, John from Australia, Ben from the US, Badger fan 77, uh, Javanese from Indonesia, who was also telling us to get sleep because apparently we're the first pod that he sees published all the time. <laughs> Wenzel 187 from South Africa. Chris Franz from uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, uh, who also listens to us on one one and a half speed. So uh, credit to him because I could not do that. <laughs> yeah, you you uh, must have intense ears, my man. Well done. Maybe one two, maybe if you yeah. want to get it through a little bit faster. And then uh, Marty the Vet, who had a special shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, Nicholas Verlaine. A nice one. Finally getting love. Yeah, wow. finally getting love in the Apple Podcast reviews for Nick. He's not a myth it or must legend. Be a fluke. He's, right, he's right here. Holy shit. I I mean, I don't remember the last nice one that came through Apple Podcasts. That's usually we're getting some really funny takedowns, uh, which I also love. So well done. Thanks, Marty. Over to you. Housekeeping. Mr. Yep. Mr. Myth Legend. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Please refer to me <laughs> in my full title from now on. Um Oh, God. We have a couple more pods coming at you this week. Obviously, you're hearing this on Monday. We have the Atleti Review coming out on Wednesday. And I believe we're talking to Matt Law on Thursday morning. Right, gents? All right, so that'll come out Friday morning. So we have our, our next another three-pod three, uh, three pod week for you coming uh, hot and heavy. Again, if you are in the Discord, uh, go under the merch thread, and you will see our little sneaky preview that we laid there with some of our designs that we're really excited about. Had some awesome feedback on those. If you're if you're curious and you're like, hey, I want to see some merch early, uh, just sign up for our Patreon. Either level, uh, you get into our Discord, but you probably want to go five dollar level level because of Joe Tweed's new ridiculously awesome newsletter that he's posting. It's about five thousand words, so set aside about an hour of your day uh, to really parse through the data. But um, but Joe's doing an awesome job for us. Merch is going to be fire. Really excited about all of it. Lots of fun stuff, but here we go. Uh, main event time. It was Southampton in the Premier League this past Saturday, February 20th at St. Mary's Stadium. Southampton won. Chelsea won. Let's head over to the fifth standout, but Chelsea's official app to run it back. Remind you about what happened in this one is a nice brief little review, and then we'll jump into the lineup. Here we go. It has been a fab bet for Chelsea so far, no doubt about that. Thomas Tuchel has watched his new side win five and draw once, and now he's up against an old adversary from his Bundesliga days in Ralf Hasenhutl. Two strikers in the middle, Aspilicueta coming to, and Alonso, who loves those volleys. We've seen them find the back of the net before. Well, the Blues bossing the game, but not peppering the goal. That's an excellent touch from Minamino, who's in here. He must score. He has scored. Southampton's first touch in the box, their first shot, and they've cut a hole through the middle of the Chelsea defence. Southampton won Chelsea nil. And it's Alonso Zuma. Got in beautifully. Needed the goal. Needed that to go in, Kurt. Little dummy from Hudson-Odoi. Oh, Mount battling through, penalty. Yeah. 
Danny Ings who struggled to get involved. It's an easy one for the referee, isn't it? Misses the ball altogether, Danny Ings. Your team needs you again. And he's buried it, 1-1. It's everything we needed at the start of this second period. All square at St Mary's. Charles Rizmond-Bedmarak his head on it. And the skimming header. Oh, goodness me! That was nearly the most freakish goal as Ings pops the rebound wide. Best of guard again against Chelsea. It nearly was. We all stood and watched. Mount. Now we've Trying to make something happen now. Four in the box. Tough angle. It's dropped for Rhys James and he's leant back. It got underneath it. What a shame. You can see Thomas Tuka's re reaction to it. He's in a great position, Rhys. Unfortunately, the finish just really does let him down. That is the tail of it. Minamino putting Southampton in front. Mason Mount won and scored the penalty straight after the break. Overall, it's five wins and two draws under Thomas Tuchel. All right, Dan, lineup time. All right, well, it was many between the sticks. Antonio Rudiger, Kurt Zuma in a Premier League match with Cesar Aspilicueta as your back three. Marcus Alonso, N'Golo Conte returning into the Premier League max match lineups as well with Mateo Kovacic and Reese James. And then an attacking three of the 10 outfield players of Tammy Abraham, Timo Werner, and Mason Mount. Tammy with the early substitution in the 45th minute. Uh, Kepa Aretha Balaga. Andreas Christensen, Ben Chilwell, Emerson, Billy Gilmore, and Olivia Giroud were the unused substitutes. We did see Callum Hudson-Odoi come in. We saw Hakim Ziyech come in and Jorginho come in. And those two subs came at the 76th minute. So, yeah, that was the lineup. A couple of surprises from uh, TT there. All right, high-level match stats where we get into it. Uh, Chelsea with a cool 71% possession. We had nine shots, three on target. Four shots, one on target for the Saints. Uh, 900 touches to their 480. 727 passes to their 295. Uh, 22 tackles for us, 17 for them, which I would say meant we were really worried about hearing them to get the ball back. They had 18 clearances to our six. We had six corners to their three, four offsides for us to their none, which just means we were trying harder. A caution apiece and 10 fouls conceded apiece. The last stat to wrap it up is the XG from at Kaylee underscore graphics. Uh, rough XG sum 0.6 for Southampton, 0.6 for Chelsea, plus one for the pen. So, Naz, dealer's choice here, XG stats or lineup, what surprised you or caught your eye the most? Well, if you're looking at the stats, then you're thinking 71% possession and, and three shots on target. It's not great, and I think we'll get into that. That's not a great output, nine shots overall. Um, I mean, the, you know, the, the XG that you'd expect from a possession level, that's, that's, that's just not good. So yeah, I mean, you're looking at the lineup as well and yeah, Zuma did okay. Apart from the goal. I don't think defending was ever the issue though. Um, you know, we can look at the goal and complain, um, but it's the, it's the attacking output, which has been a problem the whole way through. And I, I, I wrote after the match that, um, you know, the, the attacking uh, numbers are down for the Tuchel era on Lampard. I mean, defensively it's through the roof. Um, they're conceding 0.3 goals a game, which is unbelievable, brilliant, a bit like Man City probably level. But then, you know, you're only scoring 1.2, 1.3 put goals per game when Lampard had 1.7, which probably wasn't enough to win a title anyway. And, and you know, Tuchel's really suffering in that area. Um, what's the problem? It's, it's big. We could go in all day on that. But yeah, I mean, he's got the talent there, but it's not it's not happening. And it had it stopped happening for Lampard late on as well. So um, we're thinking, you know, we, you know, Werner scored the other week and we were 
like, yeah, he's going to get back in form, but no, he's not. And um, yeah, I think he needs a little run. He needs a bit more. You know, when a good striker scores one goal, you want him to go on a run. You don't want him just to stop and and score again in three games time or something. It's so uh, I think that I think that Chelsea are missing. Um, you know, we we talk a lot, and it's kind of gone off the off the map. But we talk a lot about Eden Hazard and where when the Hazard replacement was going to come. We talked about it in year one. We talked about it at the start of this season, and that talk's gone. But the actual replacement. Hazard's never come either. So we're waiting for a superstar to emerge. Mount was very good, probably the only good player in the match, and and we're waiting for a for the goals to come from superstars. The, at least two of those attacking players that Chelsea have need to set, kind of step up and and really lift this team into the Champions League and and competing for the two cups that we've got coming up. I have so many so many thoughts. Are we going to do the ad break first, or can I do a couple of thoughts? You can do a couple of thoughts. All right. So your point on nice. on the thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, your point on the match winner, Naz, is something I tweeted about yesterday as well. That I think, you know, and again, this isn't a micro problem, it's a macro problem, right? And I think we have to kind of separate those two things. So this is not a, this is not a too cool problem. It's a Chelsea problem. We have relied on Eden Hazard and or a moment of individual brilliance as a club for some time now. Uh, and last year we got lucky that we strung enough of those together to, to get over the hump, but it was not easy, uh, without Eden Hazard, who was clearly the best player. I think he was the best player in the league for most of the time that he was, he was in, uh, in at Chelsea, but you know, we're missing that for sure. And then, you know, another, another note is on the stats, uh, Joe Tweeds, you know, I, I've been in our, in our WhatsApp with Joe Tweeds all week. He said, I know this is something Nick is big on, but the whole change of structure and strategy by Tuchel, it looks like nice from an organizational perspective, but the question is to what end? We can't have 800 passes and barely get a shot on target. Uh, well, yeah, stealing a little thunder, um, but I did pull that up from FB Ref that are, they only counted two shots on target, and they came from Antonio Rudiger and Kurt Zuma. Also, Rudiger's shot was 35 yards out, Kurt Zuma's shot was offside. He was offside, but they didn't yeah. raise the flag. It was just the way it happened. You know, when it goes out for a corner, it, 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 they don't raise the flag. But if he scored, VAR would have ruled it out. So really, there was so little there. I mean, the only decent chance, actually, the only decent shot they had was Alonso, the crossfield ball early on. Chelsea played mm-hmm. with quite a lot of intensity at the start of the game. And once that intensity ebbed away, it was a bit like the Wolves game. It was, it was similar. They were intense at the beginning, but once the intensity went away, there was absolutely no creativity. No one found the final ball. There were final ball moments where you could have found it, but no one picked it out. No one got the passes right. Mount was probably coming closest. I think actually Reese James's shot in the second half was a decent chance. But, you know, I was sat in a stadium. I was sat near the TV guys, uh, quite near the back of the stadium. And you could see like the whole pitch. And and there were so many times in the stadium. And, and this is what I don't really understand because Southampton play a high line. You've got Werner up front. He's rapid. I mean, he's the exact sort of striker you want against Southampton. But nobody ever picks a head up and looks for that, you know, long ball over the top. It's simple. It's just an option that you sometimes use. Like any any team would, Liverpool use it, even though they play a great passing system, great pressing. But nobody's looking for Werner in the way that he wants to be found. And, and those balls over the top are the sort of chances that he wants. It's a and, great way to beat a press, too. Well, yeah, it, it's exactly. what we did against Southampton earlier in the season with Timo Werner. 
you know, we released him over the top and that's how he was able to get and score goals against them. So yeah. I, I'm not I'm not surprised that it looked perfect, you know, from the full peel, uh, field pitch scenario that you were able to see Naz, but also, you know, from the box at home, you know, clearly he was not getting any separation or giving the option to really kind of launch it forward. You know, it was more about maintain possession and try to be safe rather than maybe gamble and try to really kind of release him appropriately. Yeah. All right. Love the fire. Love that. We have a lot to get into, but the we heat? do, we do need to get this ad break uh, checked and out of the way. So thank you to the sponsors. Again, they're financially supporting the show so we can bring on top talent like Naz and Matt and Joe and, and do all these other things for you as a community with through the discord. So uh, appreciate you guys checking this out when we're back. We're literally going into Naz's Twitter timeline. It's going to be great. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Naz, your tweet for the match report laid it out pretty cleanly. Mason Mount is good, but where are the match winners? End quote. So let's start there if you'd like. We can either praise Mason um, with Statman Dave's tweet here, or maybe we can uh, poke through some questions about Mason and kind of what he's got. So Dan, uh, the tweet expert, I'll let you go ahead and break down (laughs) Statman Dave's tweet here. Well, it was Mason Mount versus Southampton. Chelsea rank. It was 24 attempted final third passes first, 18 successful final third passes first, two chances created equal to first, one goal, which is, yeah, sort of no surprise first when you only score one, uh, showing his quality in the second half. And, and just a couple extra things from FB ref. If you look at the shots that we did attempt, like Marcus Alonso's, uh, one of the shot creating actions coming from Mason Mount there, in addition to Reese James for the setup. Um, you kind of look at the Reese James attempt later in the match. It was the dribble and pass from Mason. So two shot creating actions there. Uh, Antonio Rudiger's blocked header late in the match as well. That was a Mason uh, Mount dead ball opportunity too. Um, the free kick from Marcus Alonso was Mason getting fouled, uh, which obviously came from a lot of change where he was really uh, more in kind of that false nine in the second half, which really was when we actually started to find a way back into the game because we clearly from minute one through 15 had a really good run to start and then kind of just dipped and disappeared when we didn't counter their press appropriately. Uh, but that was kind of the inspired change maybe in the second half, Naz, where Mount was playing a little bit deeper, but was kind of being used a little more centrally to try to actually make something happen. Yeah, those are the, this is how Chelsea sort of line up. They either do the 3-4-3 or they put Mount in the 10 and then have the two forwards in front. And one of those was Hudson Adoy, and, and it gives you a bit of ability to stretch teams and and they can run into the channels, which maybe is good with wing backs because wing backs often aren't great, you know, trying to run back towards their own goal. They they seem to struggle with that because they they cover so much distance in games. But yeah, I mean it was a, it was probably a good tactical switch, but it wasn't um a transformative one. I mean, the only man who was trying to hold Chelsea over the line in that game was Mason Mount, the only one who felt like he could make an impact on the day, the one who was putting himself about it felt like Mason Mount it was it was a real like you know a game like that you'd see under Frank Lampard where just one player stands out and everyone else is like you know really really not at it and um, the problem is that you know Mount is good but he's not ready I don't think he's quite ready he's a leader he's he's a great player Um, he's really good any team would have him but he's not a superstar he's not ready to carry the team on his shoulders week in week out okay he can do it once in a while but there needs to be more there. And that's kind of where I'm getting at with this superstar thing is that, you know, Mount is giving seven out of tens every time, maybe eight out of tens quite a lot, but 
you need someone when a team's you know defending well. You need someone you sign for big money to come up with those moments. Like football is a game of moments. It's a game of you know dribbling past people. It was a game where you needed somebody to dribble past someone. Hazard would have been great in a game like that. You know Chelsea do have players who can dribble past people and score. And you know Werner did it once in the first half and it led to um, Alonso's chance. And and I think that that's where a lot of the frustration was with Tuchel because. He sets his team out, but he can't he can't create those moments himself. He can tell players, dribble past them, shoot, score, you know, but that's not tactics. That's individual individual players. And Chelsea have the talent to score in these kind of games. And and you know, Hudson Adoy didn't step up, and we'll definitely get into that more. But um Werner didn't step up either, and he wasn't subbed off. And Abraham was subbed off at half time and and you know ZH was on as well and he didn't provide the moments, really wasn't in the game when he came on. Um and it's frustrating really. I I think yeah. it, it's frustrating these players aren't delivering moments anymore. Um and you know, Ziyech has delivered moments, Werner has delivered moments this season, Pulisic and Kai Havertz can't even get on the pitch. What can Mount do? Always on the pitch, always fit, always giving hundred percent. You know, um, doesn't ever look tired. I mean, that's what Mount is giving Chelsea, and and other players aren't giving that. Yeah, I would I would quickly do the dog pile here. Like uh, he was by far our best player yesterday. <laughs> I don't even think it could be argued. Uh, for all the haters out there, find another find another thing to talk about. Like it, it was without him, we lose. It is the is the long short of that. But I mean, to your point, all these big money signings that we've made over the last handful of years. It's not a Werner call out in particular. This is just a, Hey, we have a lot of, we have a lot of good players on, on the team. Right. And this year, more than last year, they've struggled to create something out of nothing. Right. I, I just, I don't think, you know, in pool six injury is a huge part of that. He's been injured this entire time. The issue is the same. Uh, Havertz is obviously a little bit of different story, but those those three would be your bucket of creators, likely, right? I mean, those are the three that I think on the ball are most comfortable in uncertainty and ambiguity, and will will push forward and try and make something happen more than any other player on the field. So I wouldn't even throw Werner in like the creator category, but even then, when he does have chances, he's obviously we talked about this. He has eight percent shot conversion this year. Uh, he's not taking them when when they're given. So there there is a creative issue with this. We'll we'll talk about. I'll, I'll pause my point here because I know we're going to talk about the balance of the squad and like how it becomes better later on. But yeah, I mean, without Mason Mount, Brandon today, uh, winning free kicks, winning penalties, genuinely looking like Southampton fans think James Ward, James Ward Prowse looks like on most match days. Like I think it's. It's a really bad setup, and it clearly the move to the number ten or the false nine, whatever we're calling it, in, in that three one or three four one two, where he's the one, benefits him a hell of a lot more than being out wide just chasing. It's kind of interesting talk about creating. So Reese James was six for six on his dribbles today. Uh, Mason was four for four. Kova was two for three. Uh, Werner was one for five, but he's in the final third. You, you tend to take more risks in that area. But I, I, I go back to that. It's like the system should be creating the chances. Like there's two ways to kind of build a team, right? You build a team around a system that works and then you plug in great players to then be like the double difference maker, or you ride the Eden Hazard wave like Chelsea did for so long. You say, uh, we have a talisman 
and we're going to put a supporting cast around him, but it's really built around this player to, to essentially succeed for us. We no longer have said talisman. So the system has to be what creates these chances. And then obviously said players must finish. But the concern is that as we sit here right now, Mason seems to kind of be central to everything and it's not right or wrong. It's just the situation is, and he's not getting help. So we have to say, is the system built for Mason to be the engine for everything? And I don't think it is. So I think there's failures around in this team that we're not <clears throat> getting the ball into the parts of the pitch we need to. We're not getting the service that we need to, whatever it may be. But I just find it really, really concerning or confusing why all of us say play Timo in early and no one plays Timo in early. Like it must be that complicated on the pitch that like we're not able to. But I just think of like the Everton goal against Liverpool yesterday. Hamez, the first thing he did was looking to slot someone in right away. Granted, Kabak or Kaban, whatever his name is, was caught ball watching. But that's the idea is play the ball in behind. Play the ball in behind. Like make defenders turn and run at their goal. Like I've been taught this since I was a kid. It's the most dangerous thing that you can do. And we just don't seem to do it. So we'll have to watch this. Um, well, and to be fair to you on the Reese point. Yeah. You would have put your your mortgage on Alonzo putting that shot on target in the first two minutes. It's a volley in his preferred position inside the box. I mean, it's like that's a tailor made opportunity for Alonzo, and he, you know, I think just for whatever reason didn't hit it right. But that was a beautiful ball that Reese created. It really was. But our crossing in general this year has been, you know, it's it's standard, but it's not special. Yeah, there well, there are a I lot mean, of wayward crosses, Dan. You know, if you look at just crosses completed into the eighteen yard box in this match, not including set pieces, uh, two. Yeah, two two in total, and that is going to be a problem, especially if you're trying to play a wingback system. You're, you're not getting players into the box who can make themselves available. I mean, that that's the real crux of the issue is when you you know we were pressing Southampton when we were trying to and they counter press extremely well. I think that's another thing that has to kind of be said is that the Southampton team that had gone on a six run loss streak uh, definitely came to play and definitely made it difficult for Chelsea because they weren't going to let us have the time on the ball. They weren't going to let us have necessarily the space that we found in a couple other of these matches, even though we had a maximum amount of the possession. Uh, we really weren't getting as deep uh, as frequently as we needed to, Naz, to actually make something of all that possession. Yeah, I think I think you touched upon a good point there. Um, I think that you know lots of teams Chelsea played so far have been sort of low blocks, and then you know Southampton are a counter pressing team, so high line, um, you know, force the opposition to make mistakes, and Chelsea made a ton of mistakes in possession. And you know the only other team that Tuchel's played against who's played this counter pressing way against Chelsea was Barnsley and uh, this championship team on a terrible pitch caused so many problems, Chelsea. And maybe, maybe pressing's a weakness to this system as well. Maybe we're going to find that, um, you know, Chelsea find it harder in the coming weeks and they certainly will. I think that Tuckles had quite a favourable run of fixtures to begin with. And I think Frank Lampard might look at it and say, I would have got those points, but I don't I don't necessarily, I wouldn't agree with that. I think that Tuckle has actually made a difference. But yeah, I mean, I, I also asked Tuckle after the match, I was in the press conference and asked him, you know, it, it, how much of it is the system that is stopping Chelsea create? Uh, and, you know, he, he absolutely denied that the system was, you know, anything to do with it. He said, you either pick attacking players or defensive players, and that's the way he sees it. And 
and maybe the maybe this system, you know, he, he, you know, in this system, he has five defenders, and the defenders are the three centre backs and the two central midfielders. They're solely focused on defending, and then the wing backs are focused on attacking with the front three, and that's the way Tuchel sees his football working now. Um, and maybe with Reese James and Alonso, uh, okay, Alonso is a great attacker, but he's not a, a real forward. I think that the wing back system needs a winger on one of the flanks. I think that that's why Hudson Adoy has been so good there and it really has worked. It really has overloaded teams. Those wing backs do get into good positions. You know, imagine Hudson Adoy or Pulisic. I think Pulisic will actually emerge as a wing back quite a lot as well when he's fit. Um, imagine one of them coming in onto the cross that Reese James came onto. I mean, you've got just a higher chance of scoring simply because they're used to being in that position. They're used to striking a ball first time on the volley. So I think that I think that's how this system should work. And I, at half time, I predicted Hudson Doyle was going to come on, just not for, not in the position that he did. But um, yeah, I mean, I could see that that's what Chelsea needed. Um, and yeah, I think that it is interesting though that counter pressing teams have caused Chelsea problems. And um, yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder if um, we're going to see. You know, I think it was. I think this game was a bit of a bubble burst moment. I think that everyone. It was it was a bit in a honeymoon period, but I think Chelsea are going to struggle. It's going to be a frustrating end to the season. Uh, but if, if Tuchel gets top four, I mean, that would be a magnificent achievement still. Nas, I'm going to need you to rewind a little bit. We don't need America's greatest player playing wing back. That's not going to help us as a he country. Did, he did it for Dortmund, though. He did it for Dortmund. So We've got enough problems on our plate. <laughs> <laughs> you need We need him up front in America. Oh, <laughs> uh, we do. So you talk about the wingbacks and how important they are from an attacking perspective. It's just easy to create a back post overload with the wingbacks. Usually the inside forward will drag the attention of the of the outside back. Therefore, now there's acres of space because their wide player probably hasn't tracked all the way back or they're too pinched in or they're just terrible defending and it's easy to lose that mark. Antonio Conte did it and that's why we saw Marcus Alonso just getting unbelievable amounts of chances in, in the system under Antonio Conte and we're seeing parts of it again but you brought up Callum Hudson-Odoi so we have to jump on this point right now he got subbed on then he got subbed off which is by the way I hear the pundits are you know Tim Howard is like that's a no in my book ever and I'm like ever really I was like managers absolutely have the right to chop and change like let's say heaven forbid someone got injured and you had to put someone else on you bring him off like okay that would be a reasonable reason to do that or this is a performance-based job mr howard you know that if you go on and don't do your job and it's tight match the manager's going to make whatever changes they deem necessary to give them the best opportunity to succeed as a team is it great it's probably not great for Callum's confidence but this whole, this was wildly inappropriate and like Tuchel overstepped his boundaries. I don't buy it one bit, one iota. Um, but Naz, you were there to hear Tuchel explain about it, bitch. Why, by the way, I bet you're ecstatic at how much of an open book he is with media and everyone because he tells you exactly what's on his mind. We're loving it as fans. So you can go through the quotes or you can just kind of give us the general synopsis. But again, Tuchel, Tuchel addressed it right after the match. Yeah, yeah, he's a lot more open than Lampard. That that's my view. But um, yeah, when 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 Hudson Odoi came on, I saw like, you know, I, I always try to look at Tuckle as much as I can because when you're in the stadium, you've got to try and take something away and, and communicate to fans what they might not see. And when 
when Hudson Odoi was coming on, he he trained at half time. Everyone knew he was coming on. Tuckle made that call during the first half. He wasn't happy, and you saw Tuckle just gesturing wildly to Hudson Odoi, like saying, "I need you to do this. Need you to do that." It, it was clearly that he was talking about counter pressing. When this guy has the ball, you go in at this angle and all that kind of thing. Um, and and you know to see that you know. A few minutes in the match, he was getting really angry with uh, Zolt Lowe, who's his assistant, and he was again doing all this gesturing. And it looked like, you know, I wasn't right next to him, but it looked like he's making the same gestures that he made to Hudson Adoy when he was when he was coming out at half time. And I was like, that looks like it's about Hudson Adoy, and and things haven't really changed with the substitution. I imagine that's a little bit frustrating, you know. I, I didn't think the substitution made a massive difference. Let's remember, Danny Ings made a mistake, so Chelsea scored. Um, it was a dumb striker's tackle. He kind of slipped as well. Um, so I think that, you know, that that was really frustrating for him to see. And, and it's interesting, counter-pressing, we were talking, I think Dan mentioned, they didn't put in many crosses, and it seemed like the whole tactics of the game were based around counter-pressing, forcing mistakes from Southampton, who had six injuries, had a, a bit of a hodgepodge defence at the back, and and you know they didn't. Chelsea never got any joy from counter-pressing. Really, they never yeah. caused any problems. And um, yeah, I mean, Callum, he used him to send a message to the whole squad. I felt. I don't think it was just a message for. Callum Hudson Odoi, um, maybe he feels Callum can take it, but um, he certainly didn't look very happy when he came off. But I think that it was almost a message to the whole squad. You know, first bad game for a little while. Um, look, guys, I, when I say do something, you've got to do it. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's what the tone was. I got a bit mafia, a bit tough. I mean, it doesn't happen very often that a player gets subbed on and off. And I think that that's why people liked Tim Howard. And I was on... I was on the radio yesterday with Gabby Abonlaho and he was very similar. I think that footballers have been really defensive of Callum saying that, you know, you just don't do that. But I think that, you know, if Callum can take it well, and I think he is a really confident lad and he, he won't lose much confidence from it. If he does take it well, I think that it will really send a message and maybe help, you know, Tuckle, you know, get get responses for the football he wants to play for the rest of the season, which could be make or break. He's under pressure right away, let's be honest as well. If Chelsea end the season poorly, I mean, his, his job will be in doubt, you know, quite quickly. And um, so I think that, I think that that's what that 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 was all about, um, and I think that I could even see Callum starting against Atletico Madrid. I really could. So um, yeah. that, that's where it's at. And and the other thing, the other point Tuckle made that went really under the radar was Callum performs better when he starts a match than when he comes off the bench, and that's what he was frustrated. And barely anyone spoke about that. But um, you know, that's a that's a personal message to Callum Hudson Odoi as well to to improve because I do think Tuckle likes him, and I think that. Callum has been really happy with the start at Chelsea as well. Naz, did you confirm that Tammy came off injured? No, no, half? he was. It, what also went under the radar was that Tammy was subbed off from poor performance as well. Um, and, you know, Tuckle could have defended uh, Tammy and said, you know, he, his ankle was a bit sore. That's why he wasn't his best. But he's just like, it wasn't really affecting the game. So he brought him off. And yeah. uh, basically it, you know, and um, yeah, really interesting to see him be open about that. Yeah. So a couple of things here for me and I'll, I'll pass over to Dan. Um, knowing that Tammy got crunched in our, in our Monday match. Right. Uh, I thought it was very odd that Giroud didn't start after scoring a goal in the previous match and, and genuinely looking pretty good. Uh, I think, I think two goal got selection 
mistakes all over this team uh, just based on the performance yesterday. And, and he's going to have to own that. You know, I think that's part of his job as manager is to, you know, call out where he made a mistake as well and, and do that. I think that's an area where maybe Lampard wasn't as a savvy, uh, but I think he has to do a better job of that. I mean, there were some clear, I mean, Alonzo and Werner didn't perform yesterday. They barely got in uh, to do anything. There were a bunch of other performances that I think a lot of fans were looking at and going, yeah, is Cal really the problem here? Like, mm-hmm. it is, you know, there, there are, it wasn't just him. <laughs> I mean, there were a bunch of really awful performances all over the pitch. And so I, I think that's where a lot of the anger at least came from initially, uh, from what I could see. But, but Dan, I, I mean, I'm fine with a little tough love. It's, it is the manager's choice, right? It, it, Tugel can do that all day. I think where he's going to find a problem is if he doesn't get his initial selection right and his, the players that he has at his disposal on the bench are not clicked on mentally to come on and make an impact. That is solely on him for getting it wrong. And he's good. Like that's where he's going to run into an issue. That was my biggest problem with the substitution and then the subsequent conversation afterwards is there has to be some level of ownership too to the, you know what, this is what I thought was going to affect the game. The the change or substitution I made, yeah, you know what, there was some performance I questioned, but it, it didn't impact it the way that I thought it did. And I could have, you know, I maybe should have gone this way. And and look, I, I get it, right? There's a self-preservation aspect to to all of this uh, from players, from managers, from, from everyone in between. And, you know, when you got guys like Naz asking the tough questions after every match, you know, the pressure's on, you know, you're in the furnace every single game after it. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think he could have done a better job protecting the players. I think that, that maybe that was kind of where some of the honesty is maybe – yeah, the, the the too cruel cruel comment from Jay is kind of like well, yeah, why for them and for your match reviews because I felt it it was a little harsh. You know, I think that you know Callum has generally provided a really good support to him so far, and I feel like you want to kind of nurture that relationship. And you know, it's also part down to like here's what I want you to do. You're not executing on it. Let's go figure that out internally, and then move forward within that. And so, you know what, he he didn't impact it. Ziyech didn't impact it as a sub. That was no. a, a awful <laughs> substitution. Uh, Jorginho is not a match winner. So that no. was an interesting player to bring on as well. And, and so I just, I think maybe there was a lot that went wrong here from the way we set up the 11 to trying to take on the Southampton team. And, and Naz, do you maybe think a little bit of it was like, you know, you got Athleti in the, the Tuesday fixture setup. You know you're playing Southampton early on a Saturday. Are you trying to maybe just squeeze over the line with a lineup here and get a result, knowing that you also have a absolutely challenging match on Tuesday too? I, I don't know. I think it was. I do, do you think it's the strongest team available? I think you know maybe he could have rushed Thiago Silva back from injury. I think that's the only player that maybe thought, yeah, I'll I'll leave him for the for the Athletic Home Jig game. But otherwise, I think that. It was the strongest team he could have picked. And and Tammy Abraham, I think he played because Tammy press is better than Giroud. And that's and the whole game was about pressing. I think the reason why 
fans struggled to identify with Hucking Cal after bringing him on was because, um, you know, counter-pressing is quite a hard thing to analyse if you're not, like, right on the touchline, if you're not really, you know, in tune with what the manager wants from that counter-pressing. And all I can say is that Chelsea got no joy from counter-pressing, but, you know, Callum looked like he played pretty well when he was on the ball, and I think that that's why a lot of fans struggled to identify with it, because the, the attacking output was decent. I mean, he probably did more than Werner did the whole game, and, and he didn't come off at any point. So, yeah, I mean, it must be a really small, nuanced point that he's, he's, he's hooked him on and, and it is counter-pressing. It's specifically related to that tactical detail. There's absolutely no doubt about Callum's ability to play for Tuckle or Chelsea. And I, I actually think that Atletico Madrid, I think they'll play Werner and Callum hudson up front with Mount in the 10. And that's why I, I've got a prediction that they'll play like that. You know, 3-4-1-2. Three, three, I hope that Diego Simeone is not listening to this pod because I know he's an avid listener. Who that's does? What I, you, <laughs> he scouted us from this pod for the last six years, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. we've been lucky to see him a couple of times. But now, I mean, oh, we look, thought we were going to get signed as the official po- their official podcast. Hasn't look, happened yet. Hasn't happened. Kinda, uh, look, the financial crisis has affected everybody. So long-term <laughs> negotiations. Yeah, you know Bielsa is scouting his pod, though, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you see Bielsa just pop up from my from my washer and dryer over there. It's like, get, get out of here. <laughs> You've done that many times, I think. My gate. <laughs> <laughs> so lineup questions have been uh, probably the one main consistent in Tuchel's time here, which, you know, it's, it's still new. Um, you know, I was surprised to see N'Golo Kante start today a little bit, Nick. I was mm-hmm. very strong on the record saying in our preview that we don't need him for this one. We need him for Tuesday. We saw him today, and he he did what N'Golo Kante does. He's obviously uh, heavily involved in the defensive side of, of what Chelsea do. Um, you know, seven tackles, uh, five of those won. You know, one in the defensive third, one in the five in the middle third, and one in the attacking third just reminds you where he's best. He's best in the middle, herring and chasing. Um, and, you know, you he was only dribbled by once, 14 pressures, uh, six he successfully took it from. Him. So, again, he's, he's leading the team in that area. Don't really know kind of how it's going to play out midweek. Yeah. Do you think that? Conte Kova partnership is better, different than what we've seen with Kovacic and Jorginho. And are we, I don't know, Angola seems sad. Ever since Matt Law said that a few episodes ago, I like it's hard for me to not look at Angola Conte and wonder if we're getting the full Angola Conte. Like, uh, so I think other than Mason Mount, this was the only other positive performance on the field yesterday. It was Angola. And we haven't seen N'Golo in a kind of destroyer role for a long time, to be honest with you. Like, th- this was, you know, whatever. Tuchel calls this a double six. I, you know, I, I have no idea what to call it. I'm not a tactician. But I think I think it's clear that Kovacic was responsible for advancing the ball and, and moving it upfield the best that he could. Although I think it was relatively ineffective yesterday, to be honest. I think it was not his best match. And, and Angola was responsible for mopping up and, and ensuring that there weren't as many counterattacks uh, on, on Chelsea's backline. Um, and in that role, if, if that is his core responsibility, he is the 
best player in the world at that. I, I do not have any doubts about his credentials on, on that side. I think the interesting part, though, Dan, to me is how does this work against teams that have an overload in midfield? There's only we've joked about him being a twin before because he covers so much ground and all that stuff, right? But like, there's only one of him, and Kovacic is not the most uh, adept defender <laughs> in the world. Great at carrying the ball, great at advancing it to uh to basically outside of the area, and then and then loses control. Um, but I think that's my only question. We know that Atletico play, uh, you know either two or three in midfield, but I've seen them in a three more often uh, over the years. So it's going to be really interesting to see if he can continue in that role without getting completely swamped. Yeah. I mean, it technically wasn't uh, dispossessed yesterday. Did have a couple of uh, misplaced passes and goal contact. What was uh, dispossessed also did have um, some misplaced passes as well. I actually don't think I, I just don't, personally enjoy the bounce between the two of them together on the pitch, uh, you know, kind of in that central role. Um, I, I think they, they struggle because they try to do some of the same things together. <laughs> and uh, it's similar to when I think last season where we would see times where Mason and Christian Pulisic would basically just bounce off of each other mm-hmm. because they were trying to occupy the same space on the left wing is you have you know, you have you, you need someone who's going to attempt more progressive, uh, you know, forward balls, which is not what Kovacic is known for. It's not what uh, Conte is known for. And you know, that's where, you know, someone like Billy Gilmore, um, you know, might maybe is a kind of potential, you know, diamond who could who could come in and unlock some opportunity. But, you know, if you're going to get a lot of um, medium and short passes, you know, I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge to trying to then set you up to attack. You know, I would almost argue that when you have Kovacic on, you have N'Golo Kante on, um, those are, you know, I, I think Naz, you kind of talked about being like the five defenders. Uh, and then you add in, you know, Reese James, who maybe you could say is a little bit of an attacker at times. He attempted shots. Alonzo did uh, attempt some shots as well. But you almost have a, a seven-man defense and you have three attackers. And this goes to like the seesaw balance of how do you get one more attacker like Callum as a wingback in there to really give this team more balance. Because right now it, it is way more balanced to being a defensively minded team and trying to eke out one goal to win versus a team that's going to get three or four goals and, and beat an opposition team and to you know, beat them senseless. Yeah. Yeah, I would say jumping because I want to hear kind of about that. And then also, you know, just N'Golo Kante, your opinion on that as well. And I feel like we, I know we had a rough start. He was delayed at the beginning of the season with COVID scares and things like that. But it's kind of been a weird like year, year and a half for N'Golo Kante all the way back to under Mitsu Sari and and kind of do we know where his best position is? It's this weird, you know, thought. But like he won the title with Leicester City in, in middle two. Clearly, he's he's fine with that, but he's almost thirty, and about a month he turns thirty. He's had some pretty significant injuries, so I guess yeah. When you have a Kovacic and, and Kante midfield two, I guess where where did Chelsea go from there? It's far too defensive. Yeah, I think I, I quite like the midfield two. With I think that 
part of the problem is that Jorginho and Kovacic have a special partnership and it's it's a weird thing, but when they're together, they make each other into such better players. But you know, when then when it's not them two in a two, they both seem to decline. But there's this and even Lampard identified that. You know, Lampard had that. Uh, you know, when they played four, two, three, one, it was Jorginho and, and Kovacic who really stood out together. And then when Kante came in, the midfield declined a little bit just because those two players just know each other's games inside out they're so clever with the way they they find spaces make angles for the defenders to play out of pressure um you know just the way they screen counter-attacks they're they're really good and this system means that they don't have to go forward too much and they're terrible going forward actually Kante is a better attacking player than those two um in in certain aspects in certain aspects um but I think that I think that, yeah I think that Kante's issues are that just the fact that them two are a good partnership and then the other issue, and I, I'm always told whenever I write about Kante, Kante loves Chelsea. He loves living in London. He loves, you know, he, he's just, you know, really settled in this city and in this club and everyone loves him and the manager loves him and, you know, Lampard blocks him being sold. He was like, we're not even going to talk about that last summer. Um, and, and yeah, he, he feels comfortable here, but his body is starting to let him down. And that's natural, you know, the way he plays 100 miles an hour. Um, and, and I think, you know, when you get lots of little injuries like that, you lose confidence in your body. And it might be something that Pulisic is struggling with as well. And, and maybe that's where some of the declining performances have come. And he was pretty good against Southampton. He wasn't at his best. I, I've seen him play much, much better. And I've not seen him play at his absolute peak um, for a few months now. I mean, he has done okay at certain times this season, but we've not seen him at his absolute peak um, for a little while. And, and the injuries have just been too much. He just needs the rhythm. I think he is still a world-class player. And I think that Tuckle will bet on him. I think Tuckle wants three world-class top midfielders. And I think he really likes Jorginho and Kovacic, especially as a partnership in a two. And I think that the two will survive. If Chelsea change formation, I think most of the time they'll play two-man midfield, even in other systems. So I think that... I think Kante will stay at Chelsea. I think he's here to stay, um, but we we need to find a route back for him. We need to find a route back for him at the top because I do think he's lost his way a little bit and I think it's a physical aspect. It's such a big part of his game. Um, actually, against Southampton, physically he looked good, but it's the rhythm from not playing week in, week out where where we saw, you know, a few issues with him. You know, he did give the ball away a bit too much to be like a top performer, you know, I do think Mount was probably the only player who played at his best level um, against Southampton. And, and Kante, the exciting thing is he's better than that. He was good and he's better than that. So yeah. um, I'm expecting more. I think Kante will stay. I think that Chelsea will persist with him. Also, he's incredibly expensive. We've, we've, you know, COVID's hit all our lives and it's hit the finances of football massively. Um, and he's on the biggest contract at Chelsea, I, you know, I understand. Um, and I think that clubs will struggle to afford him, even though Real Madrid and Zidane have always wanted him so bad. PSG have loved the idea of a Paris homecoming. Um, but I don't think clubs, even those clubs, will kind of struggle or not be able to justify paying the contract and and when you sign a top player you have to at least match their wages you can't go down so um i think that that's where we're at with kante i think that maybe um you know there'll be a bit of talk about him potentially leaving but he'll end up staying um and you know if tuckle succeeds he'll have to get more out of kante i i think the the last point to like transition from kante before we get into the day of the match is something that we've talked about a little bit recently but certainly 
kind of is is the bow to wrap on this episode, which is what is the right balance between defense, right? Which is obviously a huge concern, right? Like the fact that we've shored up the defense for the most part, even though we played some not so great opposition over the last four weeks, has been a massive boon for Chelsea, right? Uh, getting kind of the, the structure back has been great. But at what point, Dan, are we, are we just so overloaded? You know, we're playing two defensive midfielders yesterday, essentially. And, you know, uh, still Tuchel wanted Reese James back, right? Like he, he wanted him not as, not as forward as he would typically get, you know, so you're essentially playing with six, which leaves four to do the majority of the attacking because Alonzo is, is basically a forward. Um, it, it, forward in disguise, but I think that's where I, I really don't understand the system. And it's you know back to the eight hundred passes in three shots. Like, what's the point? Kind of. Yeah, you have to get in positions to to score, and it, it's trying to figure out. I think getting more out of the players on the pitch, right? Trying to figure out if you're going to do this, how do you get Timo Werner into positions to, to score? If you have Timo and Callum on together, how are you working to get Mason and Timo and Callum into positions to, to score appropriately? Um, because if you're not taking shots, you're not going to get a chance to convert them and you're not going to win games by the, the goal margins that maybe we saw earlier in the season. Uh, yes, it's great that we're not conceding goals um, in general. I mean, this is the the first opposition player to score against Chelsea uh, under Thomas Tuchel, you know, with the other one being Antonio Rudiger's own goal. Um, so, look, I mean, it, it's it's a positive in some aspects. It's a step back in others. And I think that there's still going to be a lot of questions for, for Tuchel time to figure out before a, a really tough midweek fixture against a Madrid side that, well, you know, right on cue are struggling appropriately and need a rebound. <laughs> they need a rebound match. And Chelsea is so good at playing other teams in the form. We love You're em. welcome, Diego. <laughs> All right, uh, Dan, let's go ahead and take us out of here uh, with the Dan of the match. You went head to head this time. I did, uh, you know, and, and look, it probably should have just been Mason. It's unfair to anybody else. Uh, and Golakante did have a good first half. I think that he did maybe struggle in the second half a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, give it to Mason and Golo, and uh, Mason ran away with it 80 88%, uh, 12% to N'Golo Kante. Yeah, I, I think we're all fine with that. I think the talk is that Mason's starting to become a uh, a victim of his own high standards. Like we used to have the the Angolo Conte um, Man of the Match award because it was just him plus someone else. And Mason is consistently being such a high achiever that he almost it's like yeah we expect Mason to be doing these things and and he sometimes maybe gets overlooked for that. So uh, people have spoken quite well qu- and quite and Mason Mount on penalty duty yeah which is crazy that was another thing and uh, well taken so uh, good really, good for him really good yeah, pen. really good taken trying to look at i guess maybe timo probably would have stepped up before him that would have been the other one previously yeah huh all right um so some of the other results around the league uh wolves beating Leeds, southampton and chelsea drawing uh burnley west brom nil nil i'm sure that was electric everton beating liverpool two nothing away uh sheffield (laughs) loses to fulham not great 
not going great. VAR controversy. Uh, West Ham whooping up on Tottenham 2-1. to one. Leicester City beating Villa 2-1. Man City scoring in the second minute and then shutting up shot, beating Arsenal 1-0 that just ended. Uh, Newcastle United later today. I'm sure Naz is nervous. Brighton Crystal Palace tomorrow, and that'll wrap up the, the match week. But, Nick, I'm sure you watched at least 10 of these matches. I did. I did. I watched almost all of them. Uh, it. I'll be honest, the football quality this weekend has been <laughs> poor. The uh, score lines look dreadful. It, I, the whole, I think the standard across the league, we are in full COVID uh, exhaustion now. The standard's dropped across the league. The refereeing is just abysmal. I mean, it is so bad. I, I And I think it would be frustrating if I was a player to not know going into a match that the what a consistent standard is going to be. Like our match... There was as much contact as I've seen let go in a very long time. It was a free-flowing, tons of tackles go in, relatively you know, few stoppages for fouls or whatever. It was only the blatantly obvious ones that I think were were called. And then in the in the West Brom match, they they saw a handball on the half line, a halfway line, and, and appropriately called a red card. But given what I had just watched thirty minutes before, I was like, God, oh, that seems harsh. You know. With, it basically killed a guy in our match, and th- so the, so it, it just it's it's really uh, it's really worrisome. But uh, you know, I think looking at this, the only interesting part of the weekend uh, is that Fulham are now three points from uh, from escaping the bottom three, which is shocking. I mean, but again, the standard of football across the league is is awful right now. Naz, what is uh, your take on kind of results of the weekend general? I think Nick's point of general fatigue around the league is very spot on. Yeah, there's there's a lot of injuries as well across the league. Like, and everyone goes on about Liverpool this, Liverpool that, but it's not just Liverpool. Loads of teams are like seeing guys fall like flies, and Chelsea have kind of done okay with injuries, which has surprised me. I think it's just Chelsea have such a big squad that they can rotate. But yeah, I thought that the Liverpool penalty that, that Klopp was moaning about was a bit hysterical. I actually thought it was a decent shout for a penalty, man. Um, and then the other game I watched, I didn't watch that much because you know I, I spent a bit of time traveling uh, yesterday after the game, but I watched Leicester today. And, and you know, they I, I, I love the way Brendan does it. He always finds answers, even though he's got injuries and all this kind of stuff, not as much complaining certain other managers and he does find ways with kind of you know weak players academy players and stuff i think that's pretty pretty cool what he does so yeah i mean it's um i, I certainly agree with nick's point the standard football and, and refereeing's gone down but when Klopp's shouting for decisions that probably were you know decent enough possibilities then you know that, that's also part of it i think we're kind of everyone's just over analyzing football as well and that's get that's leading to debates about every damn decision and it's it's kind of a kind of dull in a way it's it is interesting though we, we talked about it last week mm. west ham are not going away mm. they are they are really uh, they are really a threat they're in the top four now uh two points above chelsea it is Look, I I tweeted this yesterday and got a bunch of shit from people for it. And honestly, I don't care. It's just my opinion. If you disagree with me, that's totally fine. And I will put myself out there all the time. Okay? Like, I don't run away from this stuff. I just feel this way. I think we're going to struggle to make top four. 
True. Based on, on Chelsea now, so it's um, yeah. it's it, Declan Rice was brilliant. Maybe Lampard saw the right thing in him there, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that that's what we should expect. Chelsea were tenth, and then they went in fourth, and everyone was like, "Right, that's it. We're just going to stay in the top four for the rest of the season. It's not going to yeah. be any setbacks." I mean, man, it's Chelsea. There's going to be setbacks. I mean, everyone is kind of rubbish as well, except Man City, which is kind of dull. And one of the most annoying things is the broadcasters in the UK pretend there's a title race that loads of different teams can win. No, Man City won it. God, (laughs) just be honest with us, man. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think that everyone else is vulnerable. I think that Man United are vulnerable to drop out of the top four and and everyone's vulnerable. Um, You know, Spurs' decline is hilarious, but a good little run of wins and they could do it. So, and even Arsenal, I think, I think Arsenal and Spurs could still get top four, and that shows you what's going on in this league. Well, you you look at this too, though, right? Like West Ham and Everton do not have European commitments. No, Villa lost today, but they still have two games in hand, right? They they don't have European commitments. Chelsea have European commitments. They have FA Cup commitments, yeah. and we and we don't score goals. Like I, I, I'm sorry, you have to score goals to make top four, and I think we're in real trouble. And it's not because I don't think we can't be better. I think we have the tools to be better. It's just that it hasn't happened yet. So Tuckle's not been here long. Tuckle's not been here long, so it is a disadvantage to have a manager mid-season as well. So Chelsea will feel that at some point. But it's one of our own creation is the problem. (laughs) I mean, that's a disadvantage of our own creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other thing to keep in mind is like West Ham are also, you know, they've gotten a couple of easy, you know, games in a row here too. I mean, they've they've played well, but they're they're also, you know, that every team this season has had a hot run of form and then they 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 rise up, they get their injuries, they kind of get knocked down and it restabilizes this, you know, essentially three through seven, three through eight spot, you know. So I I, I don't think this is you know out of reach by any means. You know, it, it, you, we are just as likely to end up, uh, you know, third as we are like 10th right now, just with how this table is moving. And you know, it's, it's, it's shifting sands. So it's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be something that you're going to need luck in addition to the ones that you make from your own success. And so the best thing that we can do is win matches where we can and, and hope that others uh, don't, you know, draw and lose. <laughs> the yeah. game, the name of the game. City's goals against only 15. That's defense a it's wins a story. championships. It's the story of the season. Their defense has been remarkable given where they were last year. I mean, it really has been. And they didn't yes, start man. they didn't start the season well either. They they've totally locked it in recently. 50 goals for 15 against. Um Raheem Sterling scored a header at the top of the six today against Arsenal. Like they they, they can Anyways, crossing. They're really good at it. Um, all right. Table as it stands. Man City in first, uh, 59 points. Leicester City second, 49 points. Manchester United in third, 46 points. But if you beat Newcastle Naz, you're right back into that second place. Uh, Title West- race is on. Let's go. <laughs> West Ham fourth on 45 points. And Chelsea dropping out with our draw uh, on 43 points. So uh, Liverpool six, Everton seven, Tottenham nine, Arsenal 10. And the bottom three, like you said, Newcastle is 17th on 25 points. Fulham are 18th and 22 points. They've won two out of their last three. They've actually gotten points from all four of their last matches. Um, West Brom are 19th with 14 points. And Sheffield United 20th with 11 points. 
<sighs> Sheffields are dire, man. They're dire. They, you can't catch a break. They don't even try. Parker and the uh, the streets uh, the streets remixes. You know, I, I need him to stay in the <laughs> Premier League, please. That that is that is the one I want to stay up. Ruben looked good yesterday. By the way, I, I yeah, did watch did. that. Ruben looked good. He he was so close to having a goal. Just yeah. a little bit of luck. Playing really well without the goal. I think that that's that's what's kind of frustrating when you watch him. And we know he can bag. We know we've seen him score ten that year before he got his awful yeah. injury. So I think once his, if he gets a few goals towards the end of the season, it'll do him absolute wonders. But yeah, obviously a great player, um, absolute coup for Fulham to even have him in the squad. So uh, we expect him to be good. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. All right, Naz, we have to get you out of here. We appreciate your time, though, sir. It's always great to see you. You survived the Frank sacking. You got the news out there. You're killing it. Didn't you just have a big interview recently, too? Yeah, I interviewed Marco Van Ginkle, which is probably one of my you know bet- better ones that I've had, one of my more interesting ones where he talked about his injuries and stuff. But, yeah, no, we keep uh, cracking on. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a long season. It feel, felt long, you know, that end of January, man. I was just exhausted. You know, you're thinking... Chelsea not doing any business at the end of January is pretty good this January. I'm not going to be exhausted. And then <laughs> they go and sat their manager anyway, man. It's um, just crazy. They just, no ally look, of the journalists. Yeah, Chelsea is, being a Chelsea reporter is so much more rich than being a reporter for, imagine being a Man City reporter. Oh, we won again. Guardiola is still our manager. We've got the same players pretty much. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, you're always busy, man. (laughs) The the crisis at Man City is whether or not they have the same snacks in the the cafeteria or, you know, is John Stones really Mm going to go for 80 million pounds this summer? Will Pep sack ketchup? Who knows? Oh, man. Man City correspondents are permanently on holiday. Uh, well, anyways, uh, make sure you go follow. All of you should know. We, we talk to Naz and use his tweets and our scripts all the time, read his articles. So goal.com, uh, Nisar Kinsella on social media. He's well worth a follow if you hadn't. So anyways, genuine friend of the pod, Naz. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll let you head off. Uh, listeners, a lot of content coming this week. Champions League is back. I'm scared out of my mind for that. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. We'll be back with the, with the review and another one later in the week. So... Uh, that's going to wrap us. So thank you all for listening. Check out our social media, Patreon. You know where to find us. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Blue flag flying high.